0: We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website, our directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group, What Are You Thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. I was speaking with a guy in our community about his job recently, and he had been arriving home from uh, work at the end of the day completely exhausted. He still had more day left, time with kids, time with wife, what could be the best part of the day, but he was running empty. And the guy in the cube next to him had been assigned all the small contracts that the company was managing, uh, which the small contracts required just as much work as the larger contracts, but came in at smaller numbers, consequently had to work twice as hard to meet his goal, which was a legitimate complaint. And so he did a fair amount of complaining. But he did so all day long. (laughs) All day long. Same words, even. Every time he spoke, he was complaining about the situation all day long. So, driving home, having listened to complaining all day long, exhausted. So we talked. We talked about ways you could shift the dynamic, what to do if action one doesn't precipitate a change, what to move on to for action number two, and that's the story. But a couple things about the story. The first is a review. And the review part is habit brains. We have seen it so many times in different contexts. Our brains do what they have done. We think what we have thought. We feel what we have felt. That's just the way neural connections work. So the guy started complaining. co-workers knew it was legit so very good chance they gave him some sympathy they gave him some understanding which brains being what brains are a little squirt of dopamine now and then let's do that again let's repeat that action and then let's do it again and again and again we've seen that a lot of times habit brains so hold that in your mind second thing about the story habit or no when negative words come out of our mouths and those same words go into our ears, it has a negative impact on us. It's costing complaining guy to be complaining. It's also costing listening to complaining guy to be listening to the complaining. If we allow defeatist thought habits to linger and persist, if we allow adverse emotional habits to linger, and persist. We create space for more anxiety, more depression. We drain off energy that we could use to fix things. We get worse at decision-making and problem-solving. Memory gets impaired. Judgment gets impeded. We feel more negative. Consequently, we withdraw more. We tend to isolate more. So habit or not, allow habits to linger and persist they will impact us and they will impact those around us. Today's title you saw in the email uh, More Peace, Less Worry. Well, it turns out peace is a habit, and it turns out worry is another habit. And habits can be formed and habits can be broken. And the forming of some habits and the breaking of other habits, that is. What the spiritual journey is about. You and I are living in a particularly difficult historical moment. There is plenty of stimulus available to evoke plenty of response to set into place plenty of negative thought habits, plenty of negative emotional response habits. There can easily form a grief and foreboding habit habit easily form a dread and dismay habit, easily form a worry and anxiety habit, a judge and criticize habit. We've got intractable war. We've got 40-year inflation. We've got yet another warmest month on record. We've got more polarization. We've got another shooting that nobody is working on. And we said last week, problems Go on at a scale that a human being cannot impact, which is another stimulus for more negative thoughts to set another habit in place. So, again, habit or no, negative patterns suck up energy that we could use to actually make change in the areas we do have power. So, today, how to break brain habits, or I should say, another way to break brain habits because we talk about ways to break brain habits all the time. How to get rid of negative cycles learned helplessness. And I hope this is a reminder lesson for you. I hope this is something that you've heard and it's time for us to think about again. Because it turns out there is something that we can do. There's something that's actually not that hard to do. Be warned in advance, it's a little bit mundane For all of the impact this practice can have upon us, it's not very sexy. It's not very dramatic. Sometimes it's hard to take it seriously. And because it isn't that difficult, it doesn't feel like it has the impact that actually it has. So, a couple going through a rough trap patch in their relationship. Their pattern, like many, there's a blow up. Then they go to their separate corners, then give it some time. The blow up doesn't really get resolved, but they don't, and because they don't get to the thing under the thing, it's not really resolved, but time goes by and life goes on and good times return. Except the blowout was about something, something neither of them probably understands because they didn't get to the thing under the thing and the thing under that, uh, under that. They didn't get to the thing they were really fighting about. So when good times return, under the surface, there is now a new thing, a negative view about the other new thing. He did that thing. Ah, He's a little bit that way. She said those words, hmm. She's a little bit that way. And with the new negative thoughts, little bit bad feelings. So yes, life goes on and yes, good times return, but that new little bit in there is on its way to becoming a habit. Habit thinking about one another. Habit feeling about one another. And depending on how long this cycle goes without being interrupted, that determines how deeply set the habit gets. So show up to talk to the marriage counselor or show up to talk to the very wise and caring preacher man. And now the work required to dig out of the thing under the thing and to get to it and to access it That has to happen with all of this negative habit interference in the mix. And sometimes it's just too much interference in the mix. And the couple can't do the work. They can't dig into their own self-awareness. They can't listen to the other story. They can't become resolvers. That's what the folks on the retreat are away learning to do right now. And the primary impediment is habit, thought habits, emotion habits. But this couple, so lucky, because their preacher knows shit (laughs) and tells them the story that we started with this morning. Stressed woman writes down three good things, change your mind, change your lives. This couple then promptly ignores everything that the preacher man said Because, yeah, three good things, that doesn't really work for us. But instead, become star pupils and devise their own strategy and start saying good things about one another to other people. She starts at work, where she sets a reminder on her phone about break time to say one good thing to her coworker that she takes break with. He sets a reminder on his phone to say one good thing to his gym buddy, and both of them begin saying the good things about one another. It's a struggle at first because it always is. It's a new thing. It's a new habit. But it's a thing that gets easier with time. And a little while, they begin to think the thoughts without actually even having the phone reminder. And eventually, they could say the good thing to one another if asked to do it. So when they show up to do the self-awareness work, to do the listener work, To do the conflict-resolving work, they could do it. They had the bandwidth available to work with. Saying the good thing softened the tension. Saying the good thing broke up the stalemate and created a precondition in which they could work on the thing under the thing. Because change your mind, change your life. Now, I said earlier, this is not that hard. It's a little bit not true. It's not easy to change our minds. It's not easy to break cycles of habit. But the thing is, it happens slowly. So on any given day, the thing we do on that day is not that hard. And compared to how difficult it is and how painful it is to not do the work of changing our minds, really it's not that hard. It's mundane, but here's the thing. Say the good thing. Say the good thing. Write it. Shift focus to it. We release neurotransmitters, dopamine, serotonin. We elevate our interior state. We make it more likely that we're going to be able to do the thing that needs doing. So say the good thing. Write it. Shift focus to it. Whole bevy of studies that you can Google UC Davis says, do that, you increase your life satisfaction. Say the good thing, write it, shift your focus to it. How mundane is that? But how much do we want greater life satisfaction? University of Pennsylvania study, companion study at UNC Greensboro. Say the good thing, and less stress and anxiety, lower cortisol levels, more resilience in the face of difficult times. How mundane is that? Say the good thing, but how much do we want increased resilience? Harvard study, say the good thing, write it, shift focus to it. Lower blood pressure, lower heart rates, less chronic pain. How mundane, but how much do we want less pain? UC Berkeley study, healthier relationships. It's mundane, but how much do we want better lives? Saying the good thing, it's deeply embedded in our Christian tradition. So many texts give thanks Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. It's part of the Islamic tradition, Alhamdulillah, express thanks, be grateful, focus on the good thing. It's part of the Jewish tradition, Baruch Hashem, acknowledge blessings, focus on the good thing. It's part of the Buddhist tradition, express gratitude. It's a way to develop mindfulness and contentment. focus on the good thing. Part of Hinduism, several festivals and ceremonies, thankful for nature, thankful for existence, focus on the good thing. Now here's the thing. The word's kind of out on this. People know. People know about the neurological and relational and life benefits. People know about the studies. Positive psychology started publishing stuff about 30 years ago. People know, say the good thing, antidote to our brain's negativity bias. So, as often happens when a pendulum swings, we don't swing from out of balance, not enough positivity, to balance. We tend to swing from out of balance to counterbalance. So, you might have heard the term toxic positivity, an excessive focus on say the good thing. A pressure we put on ourselves and a pressure we put on other people to always be positive, to not have negative thoughts and negative emotions. The new rule is, now that we know negative is costly for us, always be positive. And if you are negative, well, don't. (laughs) Look on the bright side. Be happy. If a negative thing is going on, don't dwell on it. Don't talk about it. It'll just drag you down. In fact, if you have bad feelings, sadness or anger or anxiety, that's what you should feel bad about. You should feel bad about having your bad feelings because you know the new rule, be positive because negative hurts us. And grief, somebody near to you dies, well, we'll give you some time, but don't take too much time. (laughs) You gotta move on. You're gonna have to get over it. At least put on a happy face for the rest of us so that you appear to us to be happy. And everybody knows that's just twisted. That's not right. <laughs> Would you like to hear a little Sticks? <laughs> Some of you are not old enough to know who Sticks is. <laughs> I don't know how those things happen. <clears throat> anyway, this toxic positivity idea sets us up to be pretenders. We pretend that things don't hit us and hurt badly. We pretend that life doesn't come with hurt and pain and sorrow and anger, and it does. But with the new rule, with just enough truth in it that we buy into it, we get less empathetic with ourselves, and we get, get less empathetic with one another, and we get less empathetic with the reality that life does hit us, and when it does, it comes with hurt, and it comes with pain and sorrow and anger. So yeah, focus on the good thing, that's helpful. Pretend that the bad thing doesn't happen, or pretend that we don't have bad feelings when the bad thing happens, that is not helpful. Helpful. So how do we navigate the line between the two? Navigate. Did you hear that, Joe? Navigate the yeah. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was asking him for words beforehand. <laughs> how do we focus on the good thing and then be honest about the bad feelings that come with the bad things? How do we do that? Well, it turns out that the spiritual tradition has something for us. And again, pretty simple. It's as simple as practicing thankfulness. That's how we do it. It's November, and this is a central enough theme that we return to it every November. Uh, Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Now, before you shut it out, because it sounds too mundane, hold on just a second. Here's the thing about give thanks. You can do that without denying negative experiences. You can give thanks without denying the negative feelings that go with negative experiences. We human beings have the capacity to do both. We if we bring intention to the practice, if we plan our gratitude, if we insist of ourselves that we are grateful, if we enlist help from our spiritual friends, if we set ourselves reminders, we are able. We have the capacity within to both feel disappointment when we get the short end of the stick at work and be thankful that we have a job that provides food and home. We can do both. And if we do, we will have more energy left at the end of the day to either change the job or go get a new one. We are able to do both. We can both be anxious when our children are making threatening decisions, harmful decisions, and we can be thankful for the love that we have for our children. We can do both, but we tend to only do one. We tend, when we feel anxiety or sorrow or irritation or disappointment, we tend to allow that to eclipse thankfulness. We tend to let afflictive emotions push out thankfulness. We give negative thoughts, we give negative feelings pride of place. We give thankfulness no place at all. And so, having seen this human pattern for as many centuries as ancient wisdom saw it, now ancient wisdom comes and enjoins us don't do that. Don't deny your sorrow. Don't pretend you're not angry, or you're not hurt, or you're not disappointed, or you're not anxious. In fact, we've got a whole bunch of poems that we've written for you, Psalms of Lament we call them, to help you express and to release your pain and your sorrow and the difficult thing you go through. But also, practice intentional thankfulness, because if you will, even during the hard times it will help you process your sorrow. It will help you be resilient while you are in the throes of stress and adversity. And it will help you become an agent of change when things go south so that you have extra bandwidth left over to actually make the changes that you have the power to enact. Intentional gratitude. Change your mind. Change your life. So let me finish with a practical tip. I learned early on to never start a Sunday lesson with a blank page because that is just murder. (laughs) What in the world am I going to do? The tyranny of the blank page. So what I do is I read a whole bunch of stuff and I take a whole bunch of notes. And even if I don't use them, I've got them sitting there. So when I look at it, I'm not looking at a blank page. And that same dynamic works with thankfulness don't ask yourself cold, okay, self, name three good things. Because if you do that, you know what happens. Your mind will go totally blank. You cannot think of one thing in the whole world for which you could be thankful. And then you'll feel like a failure. And not wanting to feel like a failure, you don't want to do it again. And so the whole thing just shuts down. So don't do a blank page. Here's something I've done in years past. Takes a little work, but again, not that much work. Do a Google search. What are other people thankful for? feels silly, but here's what a 45-second search got me uh, getting ready for today. There's a whole bunch of stuff there, things that other people are thankful for. Now, here's what that's not. That is not your practice of thankfulness. That is not what you are thankful for. That's what other people are thankful for. But here's what it is also not. It is not a blank page. So you can read over your not your thankfulness list, and then you can let your not your thankfulness list stimulate you to stimulate your memory, your thoughts, draw back to mind your own experiences, and then you can begin to construct your thankfulness list from a not blank page. Somewhere on that list is food. And so as I was getting ready for today, I thought about it, and I was thinking, I'm not that thankful for food. I guess I haven't lived enough of my life without it to, uh, that, for that to be one of the things that's precious to me. Maybe it should, if I was more empathetic with other people's experience, but that doesn't evoke thankfulness for me, food. But here's what I did with my not blank page, and this part was very helpful it reminded me of two meals that I had this week. The first was with a deconstructing minister. He'd left his church. He was rethinking religion in general. He was imagining a different future. And as we sat and talked together, what began to emerge was very hopeful and a beautiful thing was emerging. And I was very thankful for that meal. And I was very thankful that I had $22 to take him to Panera. And buy his lunch. Very thankful. I also remembered a second meal. It happened on Friday night. This was a family occasion. Happened just this week. My youngest son brought a girl home. And uh, with all that that implies, she's a young woman actually, but this might be our family's future. It's looking that way. And so there was lots of food, there was birthday paraphernalia all all over the walls and all over the table, and the cousins were chasing each other around, and kids and grandkids were laughing, and they were loving. And I watched us, and I watched us start to fold this young woman into our family, laughing with her, telling stories about how the other spouses got folded into the family and how much easier it was for her than it had been for them, And, and there was joy and there was goodness, and I was deeply thankful. My not blank page said that other people are thankful for food. When I realized that other people were thankful for food, it triggered my own thoughts that I was thankful for that food on that day at that time with those people, which helped trigger my own list of my own gratitude and my own thankfulness And now, I am telling you these stories. And as I was getting ready yesterday, writing them out for you, I was watching what was happening in my own heart. My own gratitude was being consolidated, and my own gratitude was being strengthened as I was preparing to tell you that for which I am grateful. That's the second part. We come up with our points of gratitude. We make our own lists. Then we consolidate that by telling someone. Make a list. Reflect on the list to make it our list. And then tell somebody. So maybe try that with me this month. Maybe put a list on your phone. I promise you a 45-second Google search will get you all the lists you need. Then look over it. While you're drinking your coffee, or while you're getting into bed, or maybe when you're on the elliptical machine. I put in my notes maybe when you go to the bathroom, but then I took it out. (laughs) Find a time, thank you. (laughs) Find a time, find a place, go over your list, change your mind, change your life. So, in dwelling divine, may our minds be changed. Accessing a bigger reality, a positive reality that is also true. Not just the negative true, but also bring balance with that which is positive true. Amen. Well, if you would, please prepare your offerings. Uh, We all give online. You can use the QR code there. Uh, Remember what I say every time. That when we invest in community there's always a good return on our investment we give to one another we give our time we give our energy we give our love we give our organizing capacity we give our ability to take pictures and sell stuff we give our money we give to the community then what the community does is takes those resources and through this magical alchemy (laughs) turns that into a space in which we get back more than we ever gave in because the transformative capacity of community is unrivaled. There are few things that do as much to change human beings as being in a healthy spiritual community. So there's always good return on our investment. We all give online now. You go to the top of the website and you do that and it's as easy as it can be those of you who are online, uh, we uh, invite you to participate in what we're going to participate in, the what are you thinking by going to Zoom, and there will be someone there. I don't remember which of the four are going to be there this week, but I promise you all four of them are nice. They will make you feel very comfortable. You will not feel awkward. You will be included in, and here's what happens over time with the people who show up to have these conversations. They end up getting to know each other, end up getting to like each other, and even though it's remote, and even though folks are spread all over the country, they still have these relationships that they begin to go back to again and again and again. It is worth the time and the effort to go ahead and zoom in. You'll find the link in the YouTube notes there. When you get there, it'll ask you for a password. The password is 1417, 1417. All right, my friends, let's dismiss the folks online and then we will do, what are you thinking? If you would, please put your hand on your heart and let's remember as we go that we are every one of us carriers of the indwelling divine that means there is inside of us this inner light. There is inside of us love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all the things that are attributed to the divine spirit. They're in us. So if you would extend your other hand to our city, let's look for opportunities this week to share the stuff that's already in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair our worlds, to heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed. If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.